This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Listen, this this teaching, you know, I want to make sure that, that we understand who is who is this teaching for? This is this is not a teaching for young people, this is not a teaching for old people, this is not a teaching for those that are well, this is not a teaching for those that are sick. This is not a teaching for men only. This is not a teaching for women only. This is not a teaching that excludes children. This is a teaching for believers. This is a teaching for believers. Those that have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the, the hope, we have a hope in Jesus Christ. And the way that we, that we prepare ourselves to deal with death it demonstrates the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, I want to say again that this, this is a teaching for believers. This is a teaching for those that have committed themselves and submitted themselves to the Word of God. I want to say this is a teaching for Christians. This is the teaching for those that have placed themselves under. A teaching for those that have placed themselves under. And what I, what I mean by that is that when we look at the different, the different elements of your life, you know, there, there'll be many things that, that people will say about you. There'll be many things that, that, that you will achieve and that you will do in your life. But there are just a few things. There's just a few things that are actually going to define your life. You know, when they look at the gravestone, they charge by the letter. And so usually people are very, very particular about what they put on that tombstone because it's, it's, it's very, they need to get right to the point. What's the most important things? They might put, you know, beloved mother, caring father, born on, died on. Born on, died on. So when you think about these, these particular moments in your life, when you're born, the moments in your life that matter the most, when you're, when you're baptized, when you are reborn into the kingdom of God. When you, if, if it's God's will, when you, make, when you become one flesh with another person, when you get married, and when your days are done, when you die. You know, if you really think about it, your grandchildren's children, they're not going to really know or care where you worked at. They may not necessarily even care what kind of degrees you held. But these are the things that they will know and that they will carry from generation to generation. And it is such a shame. It is such a shame that where we have the ability to, that we don't include God in these things. That God is not a part of all these aspects of our lives, the most important aspects of our lives, and that, that the church is not, a, is not a part of the most important aspects of our lives. You know, I, I've often struggled myself with, with the whole aspect of the preparations for death. And the things that go around and surround death. And, and let me just give you my title. 
So my title of the message today is Dealing with Death. It's still on the same series, but it's about setting your house in order. So we're going to be talking about dealing with death and setting your house in order. And the reason why we're talking about setting your house in order is because our houses are out of order. When we look at our lives and when we inventory our lives and we look at the lives of those around us, the things that God considers precious, the things that that will be precious for generations to come, we count those things as trivial. We count those as, as, as small, as small things. You know, I know nowadays you can just walk up to a courthouse and, and any judge will marry you. You can just walk into the pastor's study and, and, uh, and, and go ahead and, and get married. But that's supposed to be a public declaration. Too often I know that the, uh, that the funeral home and the, the, uh, the, the place where you're going to have, that's going to take care of the, of the body, they have, they have facilities. And they have places that you can rent out where people can come and, 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 and remember you one last time. But, but that's supposed to be, these are things that's supposed to be within the confines of our Christian community, of our Christian experience. They belong in a local church. They belong in a local church. You know, the way that, that, that you conduct yourselves, the way that you conduct yourselves, through these most important moments of your life, it speaks to what you value the most. It speaks to where you've put your trust in. And so, let's just go ahead real quickly to our, our key scripture in Second Kings, chapter 20. Second Kings, chapter 20. Familiar passage. The scripture says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. He tells him to set, set your house in order, because you're going to die and you're not going to live. And it, it would seem as though that these things should be evident to Hezekiah because we know that it is given to all men to die and then to judgment. So the prophet's really not giving you news when he's telling you that you're going to die. Guess what? If you hear me today, if you understand the words that I'm speaking right now, you're going to die. If you are living right now, just know that you will die. But the prophet, when he's speaking to Hezekiah, what he's speaking about is he's talking about an immediacy of his death. He said, listen, I, I know you thought about it in the abstract, but now you need to make it, it needs to be tangible to you. There's an immediacy to it. There's, a, there's an imminence there's an imminence. There, it's, it, it, the time is almost up. You know, the old folks used to say it's, it's getting late in the evening. That the sun is going down. Y'all don't, don't know nothing about this. 
Look it up. Look it up on DuckDuckGo. Google it. They say, get in a hurry. Get in a hurry. And do it now. Get your, get your affairs in order. Set your house in order. Because of the immediacy of his demise, because of the immediacy of his death, therefore there was an urgency that was needed in his actions. There was an urgency that was needed in his actions. But guess what? Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Actually, I think when I, when I looked this up, it was also, I found it also in Psalms, in the book of Psalms chapter 95. Sorry about the head fake there. Just go to Psalms 95. It's closer to 2 Kings. Psalms 95. It says in verse 7, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. It says, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in a provocation, as in a day of temptation in the wilderness. And so what this scripture is saying is that today, if you hear his voice, that today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Yes, they, the prophet spoke to Hezekiah, and he, and, he, and he spoke in terms of an immediacy. But we see in the New Testament that, that, that God is saying that today, that today is the day. When you need to hear the voice of the Lord. And don't set your face against him. Don't argue against the counsel of the Lord. Don't delay the preparations that need to be made. You know, as we get into this teaching, we just want you to know that the God, he is the God of the living. That's why this, this teaching is about how you can conduct yourself, how you need to conduct yourself in the land of the living. The preparations that you need to make while you are yet in the land of the living. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, it says, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season that is weary. He waketh morning by morning he waketh mine ear to hear as the learn. Every morning God is speaking unto us wisdom and instructions. And it says, if you, if you, if you look in that verse, it also talks about that, that when it says that he, that he wakened my ear, it talks about that he's, that he's opened my ear. That because I, I, I've committed myself to him, because I've submitted myself to him. He's opened my ear to hear as the learn. In Luke chapter 20, verse 38, it says, For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all that live, for all live unto him. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live unto him. And so in this teaching, my, my purpose in this teaching 
is to help us to get ourselves, to get our, our feet set. To get our, ourselves in a position to be prepared for what's coming next. To be prepared for the time when we need to transition in our spirit and soul are separated from this body. You know, you can never predict how death is going to impact you. You can't predict how it's going to impact the people that are grieving. But what you can predict is that you know it's going to come. You know it's going to come. And what you can do is you can equip yourself with the truth of God's words. As many of you all know, back in 2010, it was a, you know, a very, a very challenging year for, for me and my family. In 2010, that's when my father passed away. And the circumstances were, were such that, that he, had been, he had been sick, but he hadn't been sick that long. And, and, there were, and, and, and there was uncertainty for myself. There was uncertainty for, for, my, for my siblings, my brothers and my sisters. And, and there were things that, that, that we needed to do that, that we, we really understood that we weren't quite as prepared as we should have been. But you know what? That, that, that was the same year that my grandmother, she passed away. And she, of course, she was much older. And there were things that she, I, we, we just, it was, it was just a difference. It was just a difference. Listen, the, the, the points in time that define your life, that you should be surrounded and hemmed in by the people of God, that should be completely encased within the local community, right? When your babies come into this world, bring them here. Let's, let's, let's bless them. I call it christening. I know what we call it, dedication. Your baptism, when you commit your life to God, it's not something that, that's just a private moment in your living room. No, it's a public declaration. When you get married, it's, it's, we all want to celebrate with you. When you transition... Your death, that's, that's something, that's, that's, that's a public, that's a public event. It's for, for the community of believers, because it speaks to our hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, I, I noticed that there was a difference, because my father had been in a different place in his life. And he wasn't a part of a church community. And, and there was a different, a different essence to the, to, the, to the grieving. There was a different essence to the community that came out. But when my grandmother, when she transitioned, she was a part of the, a, a group that had, had, had helped to found and had helped to start a place of worship. And at her ceremony, the pastor's Pastor, that I had known when I was five years old, that yet remain. See, there, 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 there's, there's no experience that you'll feel. 
There's no experience that your family will ever be able to, to, to have when, when 80 years old, 90 year old, Bishop comes up and is speaking words and says, I knew her my entire life from when she was a young girl and had babies on her lap. And those babies were your mother, your auntie, your uncles. There's, there's, there's a whole different experience. There's a whole different process that you go through. There's a whole different hope that your family goes through. And I know some of you are saying, well, Brother Eberhardt, what are you talking about? What I'm saying is that too often we become so callous and so arrogant with what God has given us in this local community that we think that we can live our lives on our own, by ourselves, separated and isolated from each other. That we don't need to press in and to include and to come together for these critical moments in our lives. What I'm saying is that, is that that's leaving a testimony about your life to your children and to your children's children for generations to come. Listen, your, your children will not remember the houses that you bought. That land that you set aside, they're going to sell that. That business that you built from the ground up and you've been running and sweating overnight and day, all that's going to go away. But what they're going to remember, what they're going to remember is that Bishop came up for your ceremonies and that Bishop's son was then the pastor. And he came up and he spoke about when he was a young boy, how your grandmother encouraged him in the Lord. See, this, 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 is, this is the inheritance that you leave for your children's children. This is the inheritance that you leave for your children's children. When the people of God can talk about the deposit, the godly deposit that you left in their lives. I'm so far off my notes. But, you know, the, the, the Spirit of God just had me. I don't know why he brought me into that. He was saying, you know what? I remember when I was in my, in my late 20s and I had just gotten my, my, my first job. And I was, I was finishing up my my, uh, my, my graduate degree. And yes, it was a very challenging time with young children and a young family. And, and, and it seemed as though, in spite of all the things in the world, that God and the church was the last thing that was on my mind. But it was the only thing that was able to keep me. It was the only anchor. And I remember the... Uh, the, 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 the turmoils that I was going through. And, and if it had not been, if it had not been for the believers in my life, if it had not been for the, 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 the children of God, I wouldn't be standing before you today. I would not be standing before you today. So I know it seems like 
It's a very busy time. It's a very hectic time. It's a very trying time. And, and, and the church may be the last thing on your mind. But listen, the deposit that you make today, the deposit that you make today by sowing yourself into the kingdom of God, it's going to reap an everlasting reward. It's going to reap a lasting reward. Don't think lightly of it. In the earlier teachings in this series, we talked about the origins of death. And, and, and did God intend death for mankind? How is it that, that we have death among us? And we said that, that sin is the origin of death. Sin is the origin of death. Specifically, man's disobedience to God's instruction. Man's disobedience to God's instruction. That God, he did not purpose for man to die. He did not create man so that man would die. But God was prepared. But God was prepared to forgive man even before man disobeyed, even before man sinned. No, God did not purpose for man to die. But he was prepared with forgiveness even before man sinned. We said that God, he is the source of life. The living God, he is the source of life. And that as believers, we have victory over death through Christ Jesus. As believers, we have victory over death through Christ Jesus. We gave definition. We said that death is an, it's an unnatural separation or severance of something from which it belongs. It's an unnatural, a non-purposed separation, a tearing apart of something from which it belongs. So the man, is, he's made up of spirit, soul, and body. And we recognize that, that death is the separation of the spirit and the soul from the body. Death is the separation of the spirit and the soul from the body. We said this, this body is going to return to the dust. This clay vessel is going to return to the dust. But the spirit and the soul, they're going to endure. They are going to endure that the belief system that you have, that you establish while you are yet alive. The belief system that you establish while you are alive will be carried into eternity, will be carried into eternity. You know, one of the things that, that, that I saw when I was looking at that word instructions is that whenever you, you know, again, I, I probably shouldn't even speak about it, but I, 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 I'm going to dig into it because it, it, it came to me. 
when, when, when you give instructions, when you, when you write a piece of code, when you, when, you, um, when you set up an experiment, when you set up a model, this is what happens when you get a chemical engineering degree. You think about things in these terms of processes and models and instruction sets. When, there, when, when there's corruption in the instruction set, that which, was, that which was made does not behave as it was intended. When there is disobedience in the instruction set, there's sicknesses, there's diseases, there's, there's hurricanes and floods, there's pain and there's grief, when there should have been joy and happiness, when there's corruption in the instruction set. And so, what you try to do, what they try to do when, when there's something that's wrong in the instruction says they, they, they try to overwrite. They try to overwrite those bad instructions with good instructions. But it's always harder. It's always harder to overwrite and to cure the errors than it was to just keep it, just to keep it clean in the first place. It's always, it's always harder to go through the entire process and, and try to find out every single area of corruption, every single area of error. And it, it, it could literally take all your time. For, for, for many of us, it takes a lifetime to go through and overwrite those bad instructions and overwrite those, those, that, those, that bad teaching. And to put on righteousness. So listen, we want to take a look at it in a few minutes that we have left. The instructions that we need to leave for our family. The instructions that we need to model for our family. You know, when we talk about setting your house in order, God has a specific design. He has a specific purpose and intention for how your life, how your family, how our communities are, are supposed to run. But we've been given some, some, some bad information. The code has been corrupted. And by the help of God, I, I want to override, override some of that bad code. I want to override some of that bad code. And where we need to change, let's, let's change, family. Where we need to change, let's change. As you think about how are you going to instruct your family, the last things you're going to give to your family, the, what you're going to leave as an inheritance to your children, you know, it's not just a one-time lesson. It's not just words on a piece of paper. But it has to be a continuation of a lifetime of instruction. It has to be a continuation of the examples that you set over an extended period of time. Go to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49. There are very few people in Scripture where we, we, we get a chance to examine the whole span of their lives. Where we get to see how, how God has, has revealed Himself and, and, and spoken to these, these men over the course of their lives. 
And these, these examples are given for us so that, so that we can understand that God, he's, He speaks and He's always speaking. He speaks and He's always speaking, but the way He speaks, it changes. It cha- based on how are you hearing. God, God is an effective God. He doesn't waste His words. He wants to give you the instructions that you need in a way that you can receive them. In Genesis chapter 49, let's just read at verse 28. And this is talking about Jacob, the man that they call Israel. It says, all these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And when it's talking about tribes here, it's literally talking about the twelve sons of Israel. This is yet during Israel's lifetime. His children have had children, but you wouldn't quite call them tribes just yet. They have families, but they're not quite a nation yet. They came into into Egypt in the hundreds, and they left in the hundreds of thousands. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is that their father spake unto them and blessed them. Everyone, according to his blessing, he blessed them. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephraim, the Hittite. And jump down to verse 33. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. Amen. It says these are, these are, these are Jacob's final instruction and he, he gives words to each of his sons, each of his, his, his sons to, to instruct them and to give insight into the role and the position that they would play in days to come. That would, that would instruct them into their, their, their role in God's eternal plan. And he charges them. And I love it, it says in verse 33, when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, that he gathered up his feet into the bed, and that he himself was gathered. He yielded up the ghost and was gathered into his people. Jacob will see that he spent his, his life hearing from God. And as God revealed himself to him, as God revealed his word to him, Jacob began to instruct his children. And Jacob would, would see in his life where God had given him instruction and he didn't heed the instruction and the result of that. And then Jacob got a chance to see in his, in his children's lives how they did not receive the instruction of the Lord and the changes that needed to be made in their lives. And he begins to instruct and to instruct and to instruct until they learn, until they understand. We say that teaching is repeating and repeating 
until learning takes place. Your final instructions, they're not an isolated event. I remember my my grandmother, she would she would she would teach us as she was cooking. She would instruct us as she had me out there working in her garden. She would instruct us and give us teaching as as we were caring for our younger nieces and nephews. It was constant. It was constant. It wasn't just when we were in the church house. And she and she knew how to how to keep a young child quiet in church. She knew when they needed a quick slap on the thigh, on the fleshy part. She knew when they needed a little piece of peppermint. I'm just saying. Love my grandma. The instructions were, were, they were not just at a single point in time, but they were continuous and they were constant. When we look at death and dealing with death, and what I said is that we wanted to put ourselves in the position to get our feet set, because we don't know when death is going to come. We don't know where death is going to come. Is it going to come? Is it going to be our death? You know what? It's almost, we almost act like we would be happier if we were gone first. Right? Because, you know, then that's it. My responsibilities are over at that point. But you're going you're gonna to find out that other people are going to go before you. And, and you're going to find out that you actually have an extremely vital and important role to play in that transition. The instructions, they continue over the course of a lifetime. And we're going to see this in Jacob's life. The instructions, they continue over the course of a lifetime. I remember when I was a a young man in college and I knew that I had finally, you know, that that I had left home, essentially. I knew that I had left home. I mean, of course, I had a a car. I could always, you know, drive the thousand miles to get back home. But I knew I left home when an aunt, an auntie, a great auntie, we call our great aunties aunties. You all know the deal. That she passed away. And this, this is a woman that, 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 that I loved. That had sent me, you know, if, if, if you've been in college or if you've been away, she sent me bars of soap. Because aunties know what you need. She sent, she sent me practical items in, in care packages. And it was, it was a time when she, when she passed that it was, it, it was not a good time for me to leave the city and to come back. And, and, it, and it hurt my heart, but all I could do was I, I could I, all I could do was, was send flowers to the services. You know what I'm talking about is that you don't know how you're gonna need to react 
or what your role is going to be when someone else passes. I remember another relative passed and I was in a different season of my life. And we were in the office and this, this particular, they hadn't, made, they hadn't made adequate preparations. They had not made adequate preparations. I was in a different season of my life, but I was still a relatively young man, or so I thought. And, and there were four people that, they, that, um, that my grandmother asked to come into the, um, the, the funeral home director's office. And I was one of the four. And I'm just going to be honest with you. We were there to settle up. Because this person had not made preparations. And my grandmother, she said, I need four people that I know that can handle this. And I just happened to be one of them. And I remember, so that, that, was, that was just a different, a different role that I had to play. I had, I had not known that, that I would be called on at that time to play that role. I talk about how my, my, my father, he passed in 2010. You know, my mother passed in 2015. So that, 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 that was an entirely different experience in dealing with death. Because my mother was my grandmother's daughter. And she had told us for as long as I can remember. We would be doing some things and having conversations. And for whatever reason, she would say, well, you know, when I go. How are you going to talk about that to a 10 year old? To a 13 year old, to a 15 year old? You know, when I go, I set aside these, these monies. We're going to talk about the financial aspect of dealing with death. I, I, I set aside these, these other things that I would like to see, that I would like to have happen at my services. Oh, I just thought it was so beautiful. The way that that song was sang, or the way that that those tambourines were played, it was a, a lifetime of instruction. She was she was giving us intimate details, even before we we could even know what to do with it. Of when she made her transition when she died. It wasn't something that just came out of the blue where we had to guess. And so in 2015, I was with my sisters and we were in the office. And, and it was, I, I guess it, it was a comfort because we were there not after my mother had passed, but when, while she was yet in the hospital. 
And this is a place that, that was well known to us. And we said, well, these are the things that, that we know she would like. These are the things that, that, that would honor, that would honor her. And, and there was no, there was no emotionality about the preparations for the services. Were you hurt? Yes, I was hurt. Were you crying inside? Yes, yes, I was crying. But I was not trying to soothe my pain with the platinum casket package. We're going to talk about financial considerations and death. I was not trying to cure my guilt with, they said, oh, we have angels that we could put on each of the corners. And we have coins and, and plaques. I was not trying to ease my guilt with retail therapy. No, not, not in the funeral director's office. Because I knew what she hoped in. I knew who she trusted in. And we all knew that that which was being prepared, that body, that wasn't her. That her spirit and her soul being absent from the body, they were present with the Lord. And so it was a it was a it was a new experience. It was a different experience. The the sorrow was not there. You know, a lot of times we ask, well, why do our why why do we see our children? Why are they grieving inconsolably? They can't even look at the things that remind them of their parents that have passed. They can't even be around the areas and the settings that remind them of the, of the things that have passed. Why, are they, why can't they be consoled in their grief? And I'll just take a, I'll just take a couple of minutes to say this. It's because... It's because while their parents were alive, either they failed, the parents failed to give instructions according to the word of God, according to an eternal hope. See either that or the children refused to listen. I'm tempted to say that the children refuse to listen. I'm tempted to say that it's because the children refuse to listen. Listen, time's up for blaming your parents for what you don't have. Did they feed you? Did they clothe you? Did you have a house over your head? Guess what? Then God is good. God is good. For some, that would be enough. For some, just the fact that we can sit at the table together would be enough 
to know that God is. That He is a good God. Just the fact that we have a house to live in would be enough to know that God is. And that He is a good God. We blame our, our parents because they didn't exegete. And they, they weren't Bible scholars and they didn't teach us all the, all, all the things that, that we're learning now. But you just don't know when you were in your filth, they cleaned you. Not every children, not every child has that testimony. When you were in your hour of most need, of deepest need, they covered you and protected you. That's the that's the testimony. God God is good. God is good. Listen, when your children when they have not Listen to the instructions while you were alive. Now, now after you're gone, they don't have any. They don't have any relief. They don't have any relief. They're still trying to make an excuse that is acceptable to you, because they never realized that the person that they needed to bow down to was the Lord. They're still trying to find favor in daddy's eyes. They're still trying to find favor in mommy's eyes. But they don't realize that the, the, they need to find favor in God's eyes. And so look, we're going to talk about how to instruct your family and setting your house in order. And we're going to talk about the financial considerations that you need to, to make in preparation for your transition. Because these things are going to have to be in place for you, but you're also, you know what, you're going to, you're going to probably have to step in for others that haven't made these things, haven't put these in place. We're going to talk about the actual services and the significance of each aspect, what, what you should expect, what's reasonable. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.org.